Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, which I trust you do, I've been uh, talking about that quite a bit lately, that you need to have a Bible at church. You need to have a way that you can follow along and, and check out. And, you know, someday... I'm just going to stand up here and just make up some stuff and see how many notice. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out real quick. Uh, no, I really won't do that. But, uh, but anyway, you need to have a Bible so you can follow along and make sure that what I'm telling you is the truth. How do you know if it's the truth? Because it sounds true? Because it's because it is inspiring, you know. I, I said something a couple of weeks ago that many Christians have forsaken teaching for inspiration, and inspiration is fine. Nothing wrong with inspiring message, and you know. And there are a lot of good inspiring uh, preachers on on TV and podcasts and and all this. But you need to be finding out it, are, it, can, be, it can be Bible and inspiring, uh, but you need to make sure that it's not just inspiring. You need to make sure that it's Bible. You need to make sure that it's agreeing with what God said in His Word. And you need to have teaching, sound, solid Bible teaching, not just inspiration. See, there's a lot of Christians going around quoting, inspiring quotes and sayings and things like that, and, and they're going around saying these things like they came right out of the Bible when they didn't. They, they just something that sounded good, and it made somebody feel good. And, uh, you, you know, but we need to get back to the Bible and, and get back to Bible teaching and like I said, the inspiration is good. It's, it's fine. No problem with inspiration. But you can't forsake teaching. You need to be taught. I found in Ephesians chapter 4 that it says that Jesus, when he ascended on high, after he rose from the dead, and he went back to heaven, it says he, he ascended on high, and he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And there are five gifts that are named there. He says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. He didn't say anywhere in there that he gave some to be inspirational speakers. That's, that, it's, 
inspirational speakers are, are, are good and fine, but that's not one of the gifts that Jesus gave for the equipping of the church. Praise God. So we need to have the teaching of the Word of God. Now, that being said, 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 1, I'm, I'm going to be talking about that I am thankful for you today. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor say, he's thankful for me. And it's true, I am. It says, therefore, verse number 1, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, when we see continuing verses like this, there's usually a continuing theme. It's not this verse stands alone, and this one stands alone, and this one stands alone. They usually go together. Okay, so let's read those and understand that these go together. First of all, he says, I exhort first of all, and, you know, there have been some varying thoughts on this. Some say you should do this first, and this should be the first part of your prayer life. Uh, and, and actually, I, I'll tell you where, where, where my thinking on this is, and, uh, and, and this is not to say that somebody who says it differently is wrong. This is just my thoughts on this. This is that, to me, I understand this, that Paul is saying, this is my first exhortation to you. He doesn't necessarily mean this is the first thing you should do, but you do need to do this, whether it's first or second or whatever order it falls in your prayer time, but you need to make sure this is a part of your prayer time. He says, I exhort first of all that supplications, the word supplications come from the same word as we get supply from. So it is, this is where we, we pray concerning our supply, the supply of our needs, the things we have need of. He says, I exhort that, that, you, that supplications be made, that intercession, or excuse me, prayers was next, that supplications, that prayers, that intercessions. And then he says, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, why would you give thanks for all men? Anybody know somebody that you're not thankful for? You know, don't tell me who. But, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are people that we're not necessarily, usually we may have a hard time being thankful for. Uh, you know, but then there are other people that, that being thankful for them is no problem at all. But I, I believe what we need to get from this is that we need to give thanks on behalf of all men. Now, let's, let's read on just a little bit further. He says, um, uh, for kings, for all who are in authority, 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And then he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm giving thanks on behalf of all men. Why on behalf of all men? Because Jesus gave his life for all men. So as a, as a human being, I am thankful and I speak on behalf of the human race. Jesus, we are thankful for what you have done for us. Jesus, we are thankful that for the entire human race, not just for me, but for every person that has ever been born on this planet, Jesus gave his life. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus paid the penalty for my sins, but not mine only, but for yours as well. And I am thankful on behalf of all men that Jesus gave his life for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I am thankful that he gave his life not just for, uh, you know, all of my friends, all of my relatives, all of my church family. I'm thankful that he gave his life for kings and for all who are in authority. And, and therefore, I pray because of that, 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 uh, you know, there, there's more here. It's not just saying, well, Lord, I'm thankful for all men on behalf of all men. But it is that he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I can begin to pray. How do I want to pray for people who don't know Jesus? How do I want to pray for for kings and uh, who are in authority, uh, people who are in authority for our president, for for our uh, elected officials on all levels, for our, our governor, our mayor. For how do, how do we want to pray? We want to pray that they get a revelation of what Jesus did for all men. Praise God. We want to pray that they understand that they hold their position by permission from Jesus. Praise God. You say, well, we elected them. Well, that may be true. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that is true that, yes, we cast our votes and we elected uh, collectively. I know you didn't vote for every person that, that was elected. But collectively, we elected these people to office and therefore... We need to pray for them because whether it's the one we cast our vote for or whether it's not, God desires that they be saved and that they come to the knowledge of the truth. So if they're holding positions that are contrary to what God's Word says, I can pray for them that they would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Apostle Paul prayed this for the Ephesians. He said that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. See, that's a prayer that we can pray for all men. We can pray for those who are in authority. Uh, you know, and it would not be the first time if Jesus walked into the room of an elected official 
a high-level elected official, and, and, and they had an encounter with Jesus. Wouldn't be the first time that's ever happened. You remember that the Apostle Paul wasn't always known as the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul was once known as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was killing Christians. He was throwing Christians into prison. He was persecuting the church. But one day, he was on the road to Damascus, and he had an encounter with Jesus that turned him from a church persecutor to an apostle that gave us the revelation of the gospel of grace. Praise God. And, and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy that was once persecuting the Jesus that he now preached. Praise God. Praise God. You know, one of the, one of the most impactful stories I think that I've heard in, in, in relation to, to people in positions of notoriety. There was a... Um, there, there was a, a, a news reporter or, uh, that, that worked for one of the major news networks. Uh, and I, I actually, I heard the story and then I went and looked it up to make sure that, it, you know, to make sure that it was accurate before I repeated it. And it was actually in Christianity Today magazine. And uh, the story of, there was a lady by the name of, of, of Kristen Powers. And she was a, a liberal news reporter who claimed to be an atheist. And, uh, you know, and, and she shared her story with Christianity Today. And, and she said that she was in a hotel room. Now, she, she was not raised to be an atheist. She was raised in, in, in a denominational, mainline denominational church. And as she became an adult, she got out of church and got away from, from, from anything related to God and claimed to be an atheist. And, and so she was in a hotel room in Thailand. And she said that Jesus walked into her hotel room. And he walked in and, and she said, all he said was, I'm here. And he left. She said, but it uh, changed her. You know, he's, he's saying, you don't believe in me, but I'm here. And, and, and in other words, that's the way she took it. That you, 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 know, you, you claim you don't believe in me, but I'm here. And he left. And she said, from that day forward, that she became, uh, she called herself a reluctant believer. Uh, but Jesus, she, she didn't even tell anybody about this because she didn't know what to do with it. She didn't tell anybody about it for a couple of years. And, and, and then she shared that story, but, but I, I thought it was a little humorous that she made the statement. She said, uh, my biggest fear was that, it, you know, that, that he was going to make me be a Republican. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, but she didn't know what, what she was going to do with that story. And, and uh, um, you know, but, but she became 
it's okay to be a reluctant believer as long as you're a believer. Praise God. You can be as reluctant as you want to be. But, you know, I mean, Jesus doesn't have a problem with the challenges we have sometimes. You know, we, we think this is a deal breaker, but Jesus says, no, not for me. Maybe for you, but not for me. Praise God. And, and sometimes we're unsure about things and, and, and don't know about things, but Jesus meets us where we are. So here he says that we should give thanks on behalf of all men. Because God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And he said we, we, we need to pray that we lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Praise God. So I like to say it this way. We need to pray for there to be an attitude that is conducive to preaching the gospel. There are a lot in our in our government. There are a lot of there. There is a, uh, a a lot of people across our nation that really want to shut us up. But that but the will of God is that we live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Praise God. Now he doesn't mean by quiet. He doesn't mean that we keep quiet about about our faith. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that, that uh, uh, when it comes to those who are in opposition to us, here's what the scripture says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I think a lot of Christians need to learn that scripture. You know, it, because there are a lot of Christians that think that the more enemies we can make, the better. You know, uh, but the fact is, you're not going to win people to Jesus by making them mad at you. I don't mean you have to compromise your message. I don't mean you have to compromise your positions and you have to compromise the way you live your life. In fact, we need to live our lives as an example. If there's anything needs to change about our life, we, we need to become more like Jesus in the way we live, not less like him. You know, the, the people of the world are not looking for something that's just like what they already have. They're looking for something that's different. Why would, why would you want to change your, your, your position uh, on the, the things of God if what you're being offered is exactly what you've already got? You want to change because God is offering something that's better. Praise God. He offered me a better life, not more of the same. Praise God. And if you think that, that Jesus is all about just, you know, accepting you the way you are, he loves you the way you are. I heard somebody say, I don't even remember who said this, but just, just recently, it might have been, might have been Pastor Jason, uh, but, you know, he didn't just accept you the way you were. He loved you the way you were, still loves you the way you are, 
but he made you accepted in the beloved. In other words, you weren't just accepted. He made you accepted. Praise God. Praise God. The thing that would have made you unacceptable, he did something about it. Praise God. The blood of Jesus made you acceptable to God. Hallelujah. So when you come to God, you don't come to him and say, well, this is how I am. You're just going to take me this way. No. Jesus shed his blood so you could change. Praise God. He, he shed his blood to make you acceptable in the presence of God. Now, let's go on. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. See, it comes as a result of making your request known to God. Remember these verses go together? Making your request known to God with thanksgiving. See, Bible teaches us that when we make our request known unto God, when we ask anything according to his will, so here's what he says, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. So, in other words, if I'm asking according to his will, and I'm not talking about, okay, Lord, if it be your will, I'm talking about finding out what his will is before I ask. I'm talking about going to his word and finding out what he said his will is. You say, well, what, how do, what's the will of, well, his will is what he said. He didn't say something that wasn't his will. What he said is his will. So if I ask according to what he said, then I know without a doubt, without question, without a maybe, without an if, I know that he hears me. Praise God. And if I know that he hears me, then I know that I have the petition that I have asked of him. Now, sometimes we're asking without, without knowledge. Does anybody have a quarter I could borrow? I don't have any change. Anybody have a quarter I can borrow from them? I'll pay it back with interest. Okay. I got Jennifer coming down the aisle here. She's, she's coming to meet me where I am. All right. All right. Jennifer just gave me a quarter. And I want you to all see this. 
I've, I've done this illustration many times. Some of you know exactly what's about to happen here. But I want you to know what it means of asking anything according to his will. All right. You know I have a quarter in my hand. Now, I am going to put this quarter in my pocket. You know I have one, and I'm gonna, I want you to see that I have this, and I'm, I'm putting it in my left pocket. And so now I can, I can make a promise to you and say, okay, I, I'll, I'll give you a quarter. You know I have the, the capacity. You saw me put a quarter in my pocket. So I say, all right, I'm going to reach into my pocket, and I'm going to pull out. Uh, I'm going to pull my hand back out of my pocket. Now, I've done that. Now, how many of you believe I have a quarter in my hand? Who believes I have a quarter in my hand? All right, some of you do. Some of you don't. Uh, but how would you know? You only know that I could have a quarter in my hand. When we ask based on our experiences and we determine this is the will of God based on our experiences, then we really don't know. So, for those of you who, let, let, let's have the hands up again. Those of you who believe I have a quarter in my hand. All right. Well, though, you would happen to be right. But you did not really know. Now, let's, let's try this again. Let's, let's, let's put a little twist to this. Put the quarter back in my pocket again. And... I'm going to reach in my pocket one more time, and I'm going to pull my hand out. Now, how many of you believe I have a quarter in my hand? All right. Some still do, some still don't. But now I, we're going to add a little twist to this. I'm going to tell you I do have a quarter in my hand. Now, how many of you believe I have a quarter in my hand? Some of you still don't? <laughs> Hard-hearted? <laughs> Refuse to believe? Okay, let's, let's try this again. I think we can do better than this. I, I don't think so. I don't think you guys are all that skeptical about me. Okay, I'm telling you, I do have a quarter in my hand. Now, how many of you believe I have a quarter in my hand? Why did the rest of you come on board and start believing that? Why did, why did somebody give me an answer. Why did the rest of you come on board and start believing that? Because I said I did. Now, when we look around and we see things that happen to other people in their life 
and we base our beliefs about God based on what somebody else said, we base what we believe God's will is based on what something, ha something that happened to someone else, we base what we believe about God's will based on what happened to us, you know, some of you based your belief a while ago based on the fact that you knew I could have a quarter in my hand. You knew it was possible because you had seen the quarter. But you, had, you did not have my word that I had a quarter in my hand. You based it entirely on the fact that you knew it was possible. How many know it's possible for Jesus to heal? How, how many of you know he possibly could heal you? All right. But you base that on the fact that he healed somebody else. But how many of you know that he could heal you based on what he said? Now, if you, that, that's the same as the people who believe I have a quarter in my hand because I said I have a quarter in my hand. Now, uh, just so you are not disappointed, those of you who, who believe, I did have, but you knew it because I told you. God has told you what his will is. You can't base what you believe on what happened to somebody else. You say, well, it's in the Bible. Well, I read it in the Bible, too, that he healed the leper. You know, I read it in the Bible, too, where he opened blind eyes. I read it in the Bible, too, where he healed the lame. I read it in the Bible, too, where he did these miraculous things. But I also have to read in the Bible where he says he did it for me. There's a, there's a difference. I can have presumption just because I know he did it for somebody else. That tells me that it's possible he could do it for me. But it doesn't tell me that he will do it for me. It doesn't tell me that he did do it for me until I read that part that says, Jesus bore my sickness, carried my diseases and my pain. He, he, he did that, and he did it for me. Praise God. And that is why I can have faith in healing is because of what he did, not for somebody else, but for me at the cross. Praise God. Too many people are looking around and saying, well, so-and-so got healed or so-and-so didn't get healed, and they're basing their, their belief on what happened to somebody else. Or what happened to me last time I was sick. But you've got to find out what he did for you, what was done once and for all, for all time. Praise God. Because it, that will never 
change. It's not an individual gospel. The gospel is that Jesus went to the cross. God laid my sickness, my disease, and my pain upon him, and he carried it to the cross, and he disposed of it, and he rose again without it, and that's why I can know, that's why I can have faith, not based on an opinion, but based on what he said and what he did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why I can ask anything according to his will with thanksgiving. I can go ahead at that moment and go ahead and give thanks for it. Praise God. Praise God. That's why I don't ask God to heal people anymore. I thank him that he did. Because he said he did. Now, now Jennifer, I've got your interest here. <laughs> okay, uh, here we need, we just got to do what we said here, so there, there's, there's yours with interest. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, either I'm a man of my word or I'm not, so. So let, let's, let's go back here. He said that we're to make our requests known with thanksgiving. So why can I go ahead? As soon as I make my request, why can I go ahead and say thank you? Because I'm asking according to his will, and therefore I know he heard me. And it's, the scripture says that if I know he heard me, then I know I have the petition that I've asked of him. Praise God. You see, knowing makes a big difference. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 11, verse number 24. This is a passage of Scripture that uh, Brother Kenneth e. Hagin wrote. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't write it. Some people think he did. Uh, but uh, he, draw, he drew our attention to it. He brought it to our attention. Praise God. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Such a simple truth. Such a simple truth. Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Praise God. Now, he's not talking about just making up a bunch of stuff. He's talking about asking in agreement with what he already said. Praise God. You can go ahead and immediately begin to give thanks because you have confidence that you will receive the petition that you have asked of him. Now, here's where we got off. And, uh, you know, I can talk about faith people because I am one. All right? So I, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about me. This is where we got off. We got off in that we were asking, trying to get him to do something. But here's the thing. 
real faith should be directed towards what he already did, not because of what we're trying to get him to do. Real faith says, Jesus, you already bore my sickness. You already carried my pain. Therefore, I can ask and I can receive. Praise God. I can ask with confidence because I know it has already been provided for me. Praise God. I know it's already true according to God's own word. Hallelujah. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Praise God. Because it's, it, God, see, we, we have this wrong idea about God that he wakes up every day. First of all, he don't wake up because he don't sleep. But, uh, but we, we think he wakes up every day and decides what he's going to do. But you see, what God did or, or will ever do is what he already determined before the foundation of the world that he would do. And if God was ever going to do it, he did it. Did you get that? You ought to, you ought to memorize that. that. That's an inspirational quote that came right out, of the, you know, right out of Scripture. I mean, there's not a Scripture that says exactly that, but the, there's the principle, you know, that what God wanted to do, he did. And if God did it, he did it in Christ. All right, so, so start quoting that one. Instead of, God's about to do this, you know. I mean, I, I get so tired of hearing preachers stand up and say, God's about to do this for you. Because he already did this for you. You know, and people run around quoting that all the time. God's about to do this. God's about to change your situation. God's about to break through for you. God's about to do. Well, no, God already did it. So let's stop quoting those guys. Start saying this one. What God wanted to do, he did. And what he did, he did in Christ. Praise God. That means that what he did was established before. This is why Jesus is called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before the foundation of the world, in the mind of God, everything he was going to do in Christ, he already did it in his, in his predetermined counsel. He did it before the foundation of the world. This is why we can be thankful people even for the things we desire to see because it's already done praise God so we have seen faith as trying to get God to do something trying to use our faith to get something from God to get him to do something for us instead of Here's, here's what true faith is. True faith is our response to what God did. 
I don't need to try to get him to do something he already did. He's not going to do it again. Praise God. But I can ask with confidence and be thankful for what he did. Praise God. Now, I, I, there's one I want to get to, and so I, I've got to move on to this. Um, but let me just hit a couple others real quick, and then I'm going to get to this one point that I, that I need to make for you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God in the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things to God. Now, I sat one night and listened to an entire sermon where actually that scripture right there was mixed together with 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, this, this preacher that was preaching, he combined those two scriptures and he said it like this, Give thanks to God for all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And he combined those two scriptures, and with the point of his message was totally off. What he said was, everything, because, give thanks to God for all things, because everything that happens to you is because it's the will of God for you. And that's what he said from, you know, and he, he wasted an entire hour making that point it wasn't even scripturally accurate not everything that happens in your life is the will of God for you but it is the will of God for you to be thankful no matter what's happening what do you give thanks for when things are falling apart around you what, what do you give thanks for when you're battling sickness and disease? What do you give thanks for? You give thanks for the fact that Jesus took that on his body and he bore it in your place. So you can be thankful in the middle of your attack by sickness and disease. You can give thanks in the middle of that. What do you give thanks for? How do you give thanks when you got bills to pay and you don't know how you're going to pay them? You give thanks because Jesus became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You're abundantly supplied because of what he did for you. You give thanks. Praise God. Don't, give, don't, don't try giving thanks because, well, I thank you, Lord, that you made me poor. He didn't make you poor. He made Jesus poor. Praise God. You know, I thank you, Lord, that, that you made me sick. No, he didn't make you sick. Somebody else made you sick. And he's called a thief and a liar. Praise God. And that's where sickness came from. 
And when you start, you, you can't be genuinely thankful for what God did not do. You might try, but there are a lot of people who have got mad at God because they thought they were supposed to be thankful for what the devil did. Thankful to God for what the devil did. But here's what he said. Let, let, let's look at what he said. He said in Ephesians 5 verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God. Now, you remember in Mark chapter 12, it said that they brought Jesus, they, they came trying to test him and trying to trap him. And they brought him a, a coin. And they said, is it, or they came to him and they said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus knew they were trying to trap him. So he said, show me a coin. So they handed him a coin. And he said, um, you know, uh, whose inscription is on this coin? Whose image and inscription is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, then give Caesar what's Caesar's and give God what's God's. And that's essentially what he's saying here in Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks to God for the things that came from God. Don't give thanks to God for what God didn't do. Because you will become frustrated. You will become mad at God if you're trying to give God thanks for what God didn't do. Now, Here's another one, and this is the one that I wanted to get to. This is, comes right out of Romans chapter 8. Read this entire chapter, not right now, but, but read this entire 8th chapter of Romans, praise God, and, and, and notice something here. We love to quote Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. But usually we just quote the first part of that. We know that all things work together for good. Well, you know, you know, I mean, all things work together for good. We know that you had your house burned to the ground last week, but we know that all things work together for good. We, we know that you had your, you know, that you had this family member that, that died or this family member that's, you know, and, but brother, you know, all things work together for good. And we know that, you know, that you just had to file bankruptcy and you lost everything you had, but we know that all things work together for good. We just throw that out there like everything that, do you, do you realize not everything works together for good? You say, so is that scripture not right? No, the scripture's right. Your understanding's not right. We know that all things work together for good. All things do work together for good. All things that he's talking about. Not everything, everything. There are some things Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal kill and to destroy so that the devil is not working together with God for your good they are not teammates 
They have never teamed up to do anything. I mean, you say, well, what about when Jesus was crucified? That was God. God did that. God did that. The devil was not a knowing participant in that. All things are not working together. Some things are sent by the devil to destroy you. So stop blaming God for it and saying, well, it's all, it all works for good. Because it doesn't. So well, well, then tell me what that scripture means. I'm glad you asked. All right. Let's go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. All right? Now, with that in mind, let's jump down to verse 28 once again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? What is His purpose? Back to verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It is the will of God. It is His purpose for your life that you be free from the law of sin and death. It is the will of God for you. Let's, let's read some other verses here. How about let's go to verse 3. He says, for what the law could not do, why did he want you to be free from the law, from the law of sin and death? He says, for what that law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did. Praise God. The law couldn't do it, but God did it. Praise God. And then he goes on and he says, he did it by sending his son. Remember what I said, what God wanted to do, he did? And what he did, he did in Christ. Here we go. He did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh according to, or on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, we like to use this scripture and say, well, people who are sinning, well, God condemns sin in your flesh. No, God condemns sin in Jesus' flesh. Remember, Jesus took your place at the cross, and the condemnation for sin was carried out on the body of Jesus. So God condemned sin in his son's flesh. He did it by sending his own son. Just back up a verse, and you can see that. He did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he condemned sin in his flesh. Praise God. And the condemnation for sin was carried out on the body of Jesus. 
Praise God. But his will for you, he says he condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, if you are trying to meet the righteous requirement of God according to the flesh, you're going to fail. But if you will accept what Jesus did, if you will accept the fact that God condemned sin on the body of Jesus instead of on your body, praise God, then you can, then, then you can begin to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law by believing upon Him. Praise God. Now, Go back to verse 28 again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. What purpose? The righteous requirement of the law being fulfilled. Praise God. And all things work together, not all things, everything that happens in your life. That's not even what it's talking about. All things work together. All the things that are working together is that God in Christ, it was working together. And then I'm going to show you something else that's working together with that. He says, all things work together for good. So what else? Let's go to, how about verse 26? He says, likewise, that means it's like something else that already happened. It's like something else he already told us about. Well, what did he tell us about? He told us about God in Christ working together, God interceding. This is what intercede means. It means that, that you, uh, for, some, for an intercessor to, take, to step in into the place of another. So we could not fulfill the righteous requirement of the law according to the flesh, so God stepped in. He became an intercessor and stepped in in Christ and made intercession for us. And now he says, likewise, the Spirit also. Get that? God interceded for us in Christ. He stepped into our place in Christ. And now he says, the Spirit also makes intercession for us. And how does the Spirit also make intercession for you. The Spirit also makes intercession for you. He also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as, as we ought. See, we don't even know what it looks like for us to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. and We don't even know what that looks like. But he says, the Spirit himself he says he prays. Uh, we don't even know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with, we're missing part of the verse, groanings which cannot be uttered is what it says. He makes intercession for us with groanings, there we go, with groanings which cannot be uttered. So what is this groanings which cannot be uttered thing? 
The word groanings, if we, if we look that up, the definition of that is to sigh. Anybody ever sigh? <sighs> what did you just do? That You just defined what a sigh is. You just, just defined what these groanings are. Groanings is a sigh, and a sigh is defined by Webster as a gentle, audible sound of moving air. That's, that's what a sigh is. So if a groaning is a sigh, then that's what a groaning is. So a groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, how many remember when God created man in his image and in his likeness? In Genesis chapter 2, it says he breathed into him. There, there you see it again. Gently moving air. He breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living being. Then Jesus was raised from the dead, and he met some of his disciples on the road. And the Bible says that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all gathered together, 120 of them gathered together in the upper room in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Praise God. So you see it there. We, we've given you three passages of Scripture where it talks about this. This moving, Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. It came as the breath of God being breathed upon us. Now, he says, the Spirit himself helps in our inability to pray when we don't even know what we should pray. It says he makes intercession for us. He comes in just like God interceded for us in Christ. Holy Spirit now comes in and joins in with the intercession, and they are working together to fulfill this purpose of God that we be conformed to the image of his Son. They're working together for that purpose, praise God, interceding for us for that purpose. So, he says, with groanings which cannot be uttered, with Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind. He comes out of us like moving the sound of moving air. He comes out. Do you get that? Do you get that? What, what, what's happening here? You see, and this is where we begin to pray in an unknown tongue. We begin to release out of us. The Bible says, when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. By the Holy Spirit, my spirit is now praying. He is being released out of my mouth, just like I received him as a rushing mighty wind. Now he is coming out of me in groanings, in sighs, in moving air. He comes out of me. So here, when I begin to pray in an unknown tongue, he says, I'm, I don't know what I should pray for as I ought because I don't even know what it means for me to be conformed to the image of his son. I don't, I, I get part of it, but I don't get all of that. 
I don't have a full understanding of what that means. There are places in my life when I don't know how to be conformed to the image of his son. I don't know how to look like Jesus. I don't even know what he looks like sometimes. But Holy Spirit, who is intimately acquainted with him, knows exactly what he looks like. And when I begin to pray in an unknown tongue, I begin to speak over myself the perfect will of God for me, that I be conformed to the image of his Son. I begin to make that declaration over my life, what I look like in Christ. Hallelujah. You know... A couple years ago, one of the things about, you know, you, you start noticing little changes that happen with age. And uh, a couple years ago, I noticed that sometimes when I would be driving at night, that the, the glaring lights in my face would just begin to, to agitate me. And I'd, I'd never experienced that before. And uh, we were on a mountain road in Colorado one night. And uh, a two-lane road, and lights were hitting me in the face. And by the time I got off of that road, I was just almost shaking because I was just so uh, uh, stressed over that. And uh, then we were driving through Oklahoma City something I had done many times. I knew my way through Oklahoma City. I'm driving through Oklahoma City, and, I, and, and we're in a construction area, and there's glaring reflectors in my face, and cars coming and moving in and out, and the lights were just, you know, and when I got through there, I, I experienced the same thing again. And, you know, Friday night, we took m my daughter and her family to the airport in Albuquerque, and we were going through Harris Canyon, and I started seeing those lights again. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm not having this. And I just began to pray under my breath in an unknown tongue. And I calmed right down, went right through Harris Canyon. Praise God. I didn't know what I needed to pray that night. I didn't know what, what needed to be said. But the Spirit began to declare that over me. He began to make intercession for me. He be, and I encourage you, when you don't know what to do in your life, when you're stressed, when you're, uh, you know, you're freaking out because things are happening that you seem out of control and you don't know what's going, begin to pray in an unknown tongue. Let the Spirit begin to pray over you with groanings which cannot be uttered. Just begin to uh, sigh and begin to speak in that unknown tongue. The Bible says I'm building up myself on my most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. He's building me up when I don't know what I need to pray for as I ought. I am one, I'm sure this one thing is, Jesus would not be stressed. I was getting stressed, but Jesus wouldn't be stressed. If I'm conformed to his image, spirit helps bring that to pass. 
He begins to declare. See, I believe, I believe this, that I have what I say. Didn't say I have to understand what I say. I can pray in an unknown tongue, and I can say things I don't even know I'm saying. But he is speaking the perfect will of God over me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, said all that to lead into something. The reason I had to get that out this morning is because we're going to pick up next week and continue with, with uh, talking about the value of receiving the Holy Spirit and, and, and learning to cooperate with Him in your life. Praise God. Praise God. Right now, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's step number one to being conformed to the image of, of God's Son. Step number one. Praise God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. And at that moment, you can begin to start being conformed to his image. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. And, and, and I don't usually do it like this. I usually do it as two separate things. But I want to, I want, I want to do this as, as, as one thing this morning. The Bible says, you know, that, that if we confess Jesus as our Lord, we believe God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So we're, we're going to do that. But the moment you say amen at the end of that prayer, you instantly become a new creature in Christ. You are instantly born again. You are instantly be, become a child of God. And that makes you eligible to receive the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was made to every child of God, not just after three weeks or six months or five years, or, you know. No, instantly. So the moment you say amen at the end of this prayer, you can immediately say, now, Father, Jesus said you have a promise for me. He says you have a gift for me, so I want to receive right now. You see, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. You say, well, when were those people born again? They were born again when the sound came from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house. And then there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire that sat upon each one. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first step was the I, I thought about that for, for many years and thought, well, when were these people born again? <laughs> when I saw it, I thought, how did I miss that? They were born again when the sound came, when the rushing mighty wind came. Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were all born again, and then immediately not sometime later, but immediately there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire and set upon each of them. And then they began to speak with other tongues. So we're going to give the invitation like that this morning. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to pray that prayer. Now, maybe you've already done the first part of this. 
Maybe you've already received Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've already been born again, but have not stepped into part two of that, of receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with tongues. All right, when we, when we say amen, then just jump in and join on the last part of that and ask for the promise of the Father. And then you're going to sense something come up from the inside of you. It's going to be a language you've never learned. Just start saying it. Just start saying it. It's just that easy. All right, everybody ready? Praise God. Praise God. Maybe this is something that's this old stuff for you. Maybe you've been doing this for a long time. We'll just jump in and join us here. Praise God. Praise God. I want everybody to pray this together this morning. Whether you're online or whether you're sitting in this room, let's just say this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And that he paid for my sins so that I don't have to pay for them. And then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose to put my trust in Jesus. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And from this moment forward, I am a child of God. Now here we go. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.